Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Few things are more important than Passover. When we talk about Passover, we're speaking about the exodus from Egypt, God's redemption for Israel out of Egypt. And of course, that first Passover represented a physical redemption that did indeed have some spiritual implications. But it's not by accident that our Lord and Savior, and of course I'm speaking about Messiah Yeshua, Jesus Christ, that he was crucified on Passover. And he has achieved for us redemption, that we might become the purchased possession of the living God. And of course, that Passover where he laid down his life is a spiritual redemption that does indeed have some physical implications to it. But again, Passover, what an important event. And therefore, it should not surprise us that in our psalm, Psalm 105, we see that there's an emphasis on Passover, the exodus from Egypt, within this psalm, in order to teach us about the character of God, the activity of God, and why we should worship Him. So let's begin. Take out your Bible and look with me to that psalm, Psalm 105. We completed the first half, and now we're ready for part two of Psalm 105, when we'll begin with verse 23. Psalm 105 and verse 23. We began last week towards the conclusion of our time together, speaking about Joseph, what he went through, how God used him, how Joseph began to work in Egypt. And we're going to continue with that today. So look with me, as I said, to verse 23, where it says, And Israel came out of Egypt. A clear reference to the exodus from Egypt, the Passover event. So Israel came out of Egypt. And then we have that term Yaakov or Jacob relating to the people of God it says that he was a a sojourner in the land of Ham Ham is the reference to Egypt as well so we see how God used his people in Egypt for a purpose of testifying who God is why God is greater than any other king why he is indeed the lord of lords and the king of kings look with me to verse 24 how did god use israel in egypt well notice it says in this verse verse 24 and he made them fruitful now this is a word fruit which is a noun 
put into a verbal construction. So he made them fruitful, his people, and then we have me'od, which means exceedingly. So while in Egypt, under oppression, we see that the people became very fruitful, meaning very numerous, and even in Egypt, God was blessing them. And it also says that that he made him, meaning Jacob, and is a reference for the Israelites in Egypt. He made them stronger than their enemies. And this word for enemy is maybe better understood as trouble. It's in the plural. So he made them stronger than their troubles. And I want to emphasize that because that's our God. Yes, God, he will allow trouble to visit us, but he will make us stronger than those things. Why? So that we can overcome. Why is that important? Because it's a testimony. It's bearing witness. So we should have an expectation. When troubles happen, don't uh, get frustrated. Don't begin to complain, but show faith to others by saying, I know God is going to supply what I need in order to persevere, to endure, and ultimately to overcome this. This hardship, this problem, this trouble is not going to get the best of me. God is allowing it so that I can testify how great he is. That's what he did in Egypt, and that's what we'll do in his covenantal people. Verse verse 25, in regard now to the Egyptians, because God blessed the Israelites in Egypt, that blessing caused the Egyptians to think unkindly towards the Israelites. And that's why it says, he, meaning God, God uh, turned. And this is that word, lahafok, it's in the verbal form in third person singular, meaning God. God changed, he overturned their heart, the heart of the Egyptians, to hate his people. Now, understand, God did not do this. God did not say, and this is probably how a Calvinist would interpret this, that God made the Egyptians hate the Israelites because it was part of his purpose. That's not the correct way to understand this. It was through God doing good. What does God do? He does what is right, what is perfect, what is good. He acts, and remember last week as we began Psalm 105, I talked about God being predictable because he's faithful. What he says, he's going to do. If I know what he says through his word, I can anticipate what he's going to do because God is true to his word. And therefore, God was blessing Yaakov, Israel. And it was this blessing making them stronger than their troubles that caused the Egyptians to think negatively towards the Jewish people. And that's what this verse has to do with. Look again. He turned their heart to hate his people. It was not that God made them hate, but God in blessing Israel. The outcome was that the Egyptians hated the Jewish people. Now, understand another aspect to it. They should have saw 
something supernatural is going on here. I mean, the more we afflict these people, the stronger they get, the more numerous they get. We want to kill all their male offspring, but yet we see that they are multiplying even more. Something supernatural going on. And if it's supernatural, it's God. These are a covenant people to the God of Israel. Therefore, maybe they should have thought about saying to the Israelites, can you share with me how I can join this covenant? How I can be part and worship this God who is greater than humanity? That should have been their action, but it was not. They hated his people and notice something else. And he made them, and here again, it was through God's faithfulness to Israel that this was made for them to do what? What it says here. It's a word of, of behaving unjustly now god never never ever makes someone behave in an unjust way that's not god but what happens is this god does faithfulness within his covenantal promises to israel and it was god's faithfulness that caused the egyptians to do what when they saw god's faithfulness to his covenant people they decided to to deal in a a wrong way so god did not make them do the wrong thing was god doing a good thing the right thing acting in accordance with his word his covenantal promises that the egyptians saw that and they decided to and the word here means to swindle to act in an improper unjust way and to do something that really camouflages or conceal your your actual intent so this is what the egyptians did to who his servants speaking about the israelites verse 26 in light of that what did god do verse 26 he sent moses his servant aaron who he chose him so we saw god gave to his people in light of egypt's sinful response to god's faithful promise god's being faithful to his promise the egyptians they behave incorrectly unjustly improperly deceiving and what does god do god sends in order to help the people overcome the egyptians he sends moses and aaron verse 27 and he set them as words of of miracles his miracles now what this is speaking about the word here for miracle is the word oat which can also be translated as a sign but it's a sign a miracle a wondrous happening that only god can do and god did these things through moses and aaron this is what the first part of this verse verse uh, uh 27 is telling us he set them with his words for signs and then we have another word mofet it's in the plural so we have also a marvelous miraculous act that he did in the land of ham and here again this is a reference according to the rabbinical commentators to egypt verse 28 in the midst of that god did more he began to put his plagues upon egypt why 
Well, it wasn't that God made Pharaoh or made the Egyptian people do this. They acted unjust because they were an unjust people. They acted wickedly because they were wicked. God revealed himself and there was a remnant and not a small remnant of those in Egypt that said, we're doing the wrong thing. We need to, to join with the Hebrews. We need to be part of the children of Israel. And they did. They kept the Passover and they came out with the children of Israel. Wonderful. This was part of God's plan, but unfortunately, there were those that that continued in that defiance and that disobedience against the things that God was revealing. And here's the message. And again, I've shared this many times in many different passages. God revealed himself in a undeniable way to Pharaoh and to those rebellious Egyptians. And they remained, even though they knew what they had seen. They were convicted. As Pharaoh says, God, you're righteous and I'm not. But Pharaoh would never agree with God. Every opportunity that he could go back and try to thwart what God said and commanded him to do, Pharaoh did. And it brought about his destruction. But to those who submit, there's going to be a great outcome. So look again. It says in verse 28, he sent darkness and it it was dark. And that's that plague of darkness. And notice this, they did not rebel against his words. What does that mean? It simply is an attesting that what God said they would do, they did. God said in the book of Exodus, read it carefully, that that the Egyptians and specifically Pharaoh would not agree. And the right way to understand this, it is this persistent rebelliousness that caused their heart to be hardened. When God says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, how did he do that? Well, in the same way that we've talked about earlier in this message, God does a good thing. God shows his faithfulness. And when we reject that, when we know the truth and we reject the truth, that rejection hardens the heart. So God, he puts a spiritual law in this world. And that is when you are convicted by the truth, when you know the right thing, but you do the wrong thing, rebelliousness leads to our heart being hardened. God is sovereign. He puts this this principle, this spiritual law, into this world it functions but but don't understand it incorrectly that god caused pharaoh to have a hard heart no it was the outcome of his rebelliousness secondly we see the egyptians they were made to do these things how because they would not submit to god's revelation so again god said there would be darkness and there was darkness And he said the people would rebel and they did not uh, uh, do the right thing as God said. That's what it means. They did not rebel against his words. Meaning simply, God said they were going to persist for all of these plagues until the last one. And God was right. Verse 29. What else did he do? 
Here's the same word, la folk, in the simple verb form. He overturned or he changed their waters to blood. And also their fish died. Verse 30. Their land swarmed. This is a word for teen, that old King James word. It's a word of just simply abundance. There was a teeming, an abundance, a swarming of flogs, frogs, and these frogs went into the chambers of even their kings. Verse 31. And he said, God proclaimed that this would be, and it came about. What came about? Arov. What is that? Well, this is because of the changes that were happening in Egypt. We see that one of the plagues were wild animals. Some will say that this has to do with with flies. Others will, will interpret that word to mean wild animals came into the cities and caused havoc among the people. But however you understand this word arov, it speaks about one of the plagues. And also, in addition to that, there were lice in all their borders. Verse 32. And he gave rain of hell. So it rained down hell. And this hell was very unusual because it had fire and flames of fire was upon their land. So this hail came down. It was large, it was destructive, and it was was hail, frozen ice, but within it there were flames of fire. So God brought about a vast change to this land. Verse 33. And he struck their vine. Well, vines are where we get grapes for wine. And so when he struck their vine, it speaks about their joy. He took joy from the land of Egypt. And also the figs, here again, figs are also a pleasant uh, fruit. And therefore joy and that which is pleasant, God struck among the Egyptians. And it says the trees he broke in their borders meaning that that through that plagues that the trees were also destroyed and trees provide a lot for people so it's another expression of god's judgment verse 34 he spoke and came the locusts and then we have another word for locusts a different variety and another type of locusts they came and it says there was no counting without number they were so numerous that they could not be counted what did they do verse 35 they devoured all the grass and this can mean vegetation in their land they ate the fruit of their ground so vegetation grass vegetables and fruit all of that god destroyed and there was a great famine and we see something the message is is very quite quite easy to understand god because of the egyptians rebelliousness who was the leader of rebelliousness pharaoh because of their leader the entire land suffer and because of that the people became great in need no no water at times no food at times this harsh outcome from rebelliousness and i hope we learn something 
Rebelling against God is never the right thing to do. And the consequences are disastrous. Look now to, to verse, verse 36. And he struck all the firstborn in their land. The beginning of all their vitality or power or strength. So what we see here is this word Rashid. Rashid is the beginning, the first and what we see is that the firstborn was struck and this was supposed to be the next generation the firstborn had that blessing and therefore we see that that god struck that the firstborn usually applies to god's people but here it's being used in a similar way to say god was destroying their future that's the implication of the last half of verse 36 look at verse 37 god did what he said he was going to do it didn't matter how uh, rebellious pharaoh was in the end pharaoh submitted and this is as well a good principle for us because it is foolishness to rebel against god ultimately you're going to submit you say where's that in the bible very simply it says every knee will bow every tongue will confess to the glory of god that he's glorious that messiah is lord if you persist in rebelliousness and you wait until after you're dead and god is is judging what's going to happen people are going to be forced to admit this it's a reality it's undeniable the identity of messiah he's the lord but at that time there's going to be no benefit to it that's the message that he's saying here the egyptians they eventually agreed and it says look at verse 37 and he brought them out that's god bring them out with the egyptians blessing why do i say that it says with silver and gold they gave the hebrews when they left gold and silver because they wanted them to live leave and there was no what no failure no weak one no feeble one among their tribes meaning his tribes the tribes of god all of them came out with a mighty hand that's what the scripture says they came out victorious there was no one who failed no one who was feeble they came out a mighty people verse 38 and eventually because the egyptians did submit to their own destruction but eventually that destruction brought them to submit and it says the egyptians rejoice when they went forth why because they thought their destruction would come to an end now for it fell upon all of them all the egyptians their fear meaning that they were fearful of of the israelites because of how god moved in egypt manifesting these are my covenant people but here's what's so sad yes the egyptians eventually agreed they gave silver and gold and when the jewish people were leaving they rejoiced over that good riddance in other words they were happy they were gone for a season but what's the message to us had they agreed they could have been blessed if pharaoh would have submitted eventually he did 
but there was no benefit to him if he would have submitted in faith agreeing with god participating with god he would have magnified before the egyptians how great the god of israel was and is and will ever be and what else god would have blessed him but he didn't do that it is always wasteful it is always painful it is always to our own demise that we disagree with god this is what this psalm is telling us verse verse 39 he stretched forth and this is god he stretched forth in the implication is himself as a cloud for and this is defense it's the word masach which is a screen now a screen like a a curtain or something that's a shield something that defends so god became a defense a shield and this of course was against the sun and also and this would have been at night he became fire to illuminate the nighttime so god notice what it says god did and became in order to bless his people that's the nature of god god will move god will change things in order to become a blessing to his covenant people but for them to receive that blessing they need to be in his will fulfilling his purposes verse 40. now we're in the wilderness that began in the last verse with that that uh shield that god became a, a cloud for them by day and a pillar of fire by night and it says in this this wilderness he asks meaning jacob asks and what happened there came this this quail they asked for meat and god supplied and bread from the heavens that bread from the heavens meaning the manna satisfied them verse 41 He opened up the rock, and what happened? Waters gushed forward. And it went, these waters went into the dry places, and they went into the dry places, and they appeared to be like rivers, is the intent here. Verse 42 For he remembered his holy word. Now, what's his holy word? His word that agrees with his purposes god speaks always in regard to his purposes so god moved he spoke and it was but what he does always is in agreement with his purposes his plan his program so we read here for he remembered his holy word this is the will of god that which was to abraham his servant now again we have god's program his word in other words his revelation to us and why is abraham mentioned abraham's mentioned because of his faithfulness god rewards and moves among his people when we respond to his word with faith and this is all this this verse is trying to convey to us god will bring about he's not going to forget his word to us but we won't receive the outcome of that word that promise unless we respond to him in faith and notice abraham 
through his faith he's called and made it to how does this verse end verse 42 his servant so faith is required to serve god verse 43 now they suffered greatly in egypt but notice what it says and he brought them forth his people so he brought forth his people how they sasson with joy and with a shout who shouted his chosen ones now notice who are his chosen ones well his chosen ones are a remnant from the children of jacob and also a remnant from that mixed multitude among the nations who were in egypt what did they have in common this remnant his chosen ones responded to the passover and what did we learn as we began this study today i mentioned that messiah was crucified on passover if you're going to be a recipient of the promises of god if you're going to experience god moving in your life and bringing about godly change a righteous change it all begins with you responding to passover responding to messiah and him crucified wasn't by chance wasn't a coincidence that that god had his son crucified when on passover this is what god's program was nothing surprises god he knew that the people would be wicked that they would rebel and they would crucify the one that he sent to save knowing this he used that he was not the cause of the crucifixion but knowing that was going to be crucified he used that evil for good he didn't cause that evil so look at what the scripture says verse verse 43 he brought his people out meaning out of egypt with with joy and with a shout his his elected ones chosen ones because they kept the passover verse 44 and he gave to them the lands are so the lands of the nations so they received the land of the nations and what else and there were many nations read the book of joshua 31 different nations in the promised land and then we have the word amal what's amal it's labor it's work but perhaps most scholars see that yes the nations worked and through that work they had possessions and it was the outcome of their labor than the children of israel that the children of israel inherited we know that they took possession of homes and vineyards and farms and all sorts of things all of their possessions why because god gave them the land and because israel submitted to god's purpose they entered into the land by faith what happens they receive the benefits so i would translate that and the possession of the nations they inherited verse 45 for the sake god did all of these wonderful things but they didn't happen in a vacuum god did did these things for a purpose and verse verse 45 is so verse 45 is so important here when it says why did he do this on account of that they would 
keep my statutes and my laws they would guard so we have two words for keeping guarding and it shows that which is valuable what's valuable well just what it says here my laws and my Torah his Torah so his laws and his Torahs they are precious they are valuable therefore what are we doing the purpose of redemption the purpose of the cross is that we can guard keep and do his words of instructions the word here chok has to do with his law and the word torah has to do with his instructions and when we guard them what are we going to do well look at how this psalm ends with one of the most common hebrew words the word hallelujah hallelujah praise the lord and here's what it's teaching us when someone through faith because of that redemption that they've experienced a passover redemption and i would say ultimately a passover redemption through the blood of messiah because he was crucified on passover when we receive that redemption we become a new creation we become born again and our new nature is to submit to the laws of god the commandments of god his instructions his torah and when we do that not according to the letter but the spirit the spiritual intent when we submit to that what is going to be the outcome of that god is going to move in our life and we're going to see the result of obedience and what is that going to cause us to do just what it says there hallelujah it is going to cause us to praise god so if you want to have things to praise god for obey his word and again this for some reason is so controversial people will say well well that's legalism it's not legalism legalism is saying you must do these things to be saved do these things to be forgiven do these things to enter into the kingdom of god that's not what i teach never said that i've said over and over and over salvation is a free gift it is the outcome of god's grace we do nothing he does all the work and he did the work upon the cross he did that work on the cross on passover and what do we have to do receive it how like abraham did through faith and and believing in what god has done in the work of god is not participating in our salvation doing something ourselves he did it all we simply receive it with thanksgiving and as we receive this this work of messiah that changes us what's the outcome we'll want to obey god not for salvation but because we have been saved it is an agreement with our new nature to want to obey god to submit to god why today and we get numerous emails complaining trying to set me straight well there may be many things i need to be set straight on i can appreciate that i want to listen to people but but to think that it's not our faith that it's against the teachings of messiah and the apostles to say that we have been saved to obey god we should submit to him why that's controversial 
I do not know. But I can assure you of one thing, that I am not going to change in regard to that because I am fully convinced that we have been saved by grace. We have received that free gift of salvation by faith in order that we can serve God. And serving God demands obedience and submissiveness. That's our new nature. And when we do that, we will have much to say hallelujah to. Praise the Lord. Because obedience brings about God's favor, brings about God's blessing, brings about God's provision and His power in our life. So serve God and you'll watch and you'll see many things that God will do as a response to your obedience that will cause you to praise Him. That's what this psalm is concluding with. Let's be wise. Let's be humble. Let's be obedient. And let's be worshipers and praisers of God. I'll close with that. Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel.